This is an AMI podcast. Are you ready? Let's go. From AMI Central. Now circling in the neutral zone. Here's the pitch on the way. 36 yards for the win. This. Here comes a big chance. The shot. Is, is this the tagger? The neutral zone. Oh, oh my God. God. This is as good as it gets. Now, here's your host, two-time Paralympian, Rock Richardson. What's going on? It's time for another edition of the Neutral Zone. I am indeed your host, Brock Richardson, and I always consider this the beginning of my weekend. This very moment is the beginning of my weekend, even though some of you out there are saying, well, isn't this work? Well, it is, but it's also fun work. So this is the beginning of my weekend. I have a crazy jam-packed weekend as I am going to go see Lady Gaga, which I have had her tickets for over two years, and it has been postponed like three times, as has a lot of other things. And then we're going to a uh, circus on Sunday, and I will be attending the first taping of season four of Family Feud Canada. So lots going on for me personally this weekend. Let's find out if there's stuff going on for my co-host. Alongside me right now is Cam Jenkins. Cam, how are you? I'm doing good, Brock, and I certainly am not as bad as you, young man, that is for sure. But uh, I will be going to see the uh, first place Toronto Argonauts on Saturday against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And uh, Toronto is going to be playing Hamilton uh, four of the next five weeks. So for both teams, it's either going to make or break their season. So it should be interesting. Mm-hmm. The CFL, where the team leading has a 500 record in the East. How wonderful! <laughs> we'll get into we'll get into the C- <laughs> CFL in a bit. As Cameron and I got the opportunity to uh, attend the game last weekend when they uh, lost to the Ottawa Redbacks, who had not won a game up until that point, and they won a game. Cameron will tell you that I jinxed them because on this that very is so program goes. on this very program last week, I guaranteed a victory, and what happened? There was no guarantee of nothing. And so it was just <laughs> such an Argo You're thing to do. You're never ever going to another Argos game with me again, Brock. <laughs> and he invited me, but then he de-invited me for any future any future events for the Argos. It was fun. I just, you know, I, it's sad when... I, and to your point during the, the, the game, well, they have to win at some point. I was just hoping it wasn't against the Toronto Argonauts, <laughs> but it was. And I figured it would happen because it's so Argos, but I'm sure we'll be getting to, into that uh, during the CFL segment. We will indeed. What we're going to get into now is our headlines. Congratulations goes out to the women's and men's wheelchair basketball program as they both came home with some hardware from the 2022 Commonwealth Games. The women came home with a silver medal and the ladies defeated Australia 14-5. to the men came home with a silver medal. The men were narrowly edged out 11-9, also against Australia. Canada's current medal count at the Commonwealth Games is 27 medals. Congratulations to Team Canada, and they've just done a wonderful job. And of course, the ladies had a victory. 
and it was just wonderful to watch and the online presence was very good as well Cleveland Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson will miss several games following sexual misconduct allegations let's listen to two people familiar with the decision say the nfl's disciplinary officer has suspended watson six games for violating the league's personal conduct policy the league itself had pushed for an indefinite suspension of at least a year and now has three days to appeal sue robinson's ruling the players union had already said it would abide by whatever she decided watson has settled nearly two dozen suits by women accused him of sexual harassment and assault during massage appointments. His suspension would start with the regular season opener, meaning he'd be eligible to make his Browns debut October 23rd in Baltimore. I'm Sagar Magani. So far, we do not know whether the appeal will mean that he will have more games uh, suspension as the NFL does have the ability to appeal this. And there is an article that says, quote, the NFL has the ability, if granted, to suspend him for far more games. And to be honest with you, if you violate any kind of misconduct that is listed in your contract, in your players union, you deserve more games than that. To me, in an ideal world, I'd like to see at least half the season be gone, if not a full season, if it is proven that you did have misconduct go on. You're right, and I am in the camp of you should be gone for a full season, personally. The sporting world lost yet another legend. NBA Bill Russell passes away peacefully at the age of 88 this past weekend. Some of the highlights of his career has been being an 11-time NBA champion, a five-time MVP, a two-time NCAA champion, and Olympic gold medalist. And just another feather in his cap, he was a two-time NBA championships as the first black head coach in North American pro sports history. The International Ice Hockey Federation says it has launched an inquiry for obtaining additional information about allegations of sexual assault involving Hockey Canada athletes. The governing sport body says it was deeply troubled by this these incidents and they take it extremely seriously when they launch the investigation. The female has come forward since and set the record straight and told us exactly what took place during those alleged evenings. She also passed a polygraph test, which confirmed her story to be accurate. The um, World Junior Hockey Championships get going on June the 9th of, or sorry, August 9th, which is next week. And so we look forward to see what kind of impact this event will have. Those are your headlines for this week. Let's go back to our Twitter poll. Amidst all the controversy surrounding Hockey Canada, how does this impact you watching any Hockey Canada events? 20% of you said impacts me greatly, and then the other 80% were split 
between doesn't impact me at all and impacts me a little bit. Cameron, are you surprised by this vote turnout? No, not really. Um, at the end of the day, it's a storyline. It's a horrible storyline. Um, but at the end of the day, people love to watch their world juniors, and I think that they'll uh, end up watching it. And it's going to be really interesting to see how TSN deals with it, um, as they're owned by um, you know Bell and have the uh, rights to uh, the World Junior Hockey Championships with the uh, IIHF. And yeah, it's just going to be really interesting to see um, you know the ratings and how they are, and how many people are going to go out and watch it. Claire mentioned to me uh, before we went to air that uh, she believes that all events uh, from this point forward should be treated the same as any other. However, she said action needs to be taken. But in order to do that, we need to give Hockey Canada some time. And she also told me that she believes that we could see some significant changes. But in her mind... uh, this doesn't change her personal impact of watching the event either. So let's look at this week's question. And it is, are you happy with the Toronto Blue Jays trade deadline? And it's simple. Yes or no. Cast your votes at our Twitter handles, which will be given out in a bit. Coming up next on the program, we speak to Cesar Nicolai, who is the head coach of Bocce Canada, recently named. Stay tuned for that conversation and much, much more here on the Neutral Zone. We'll be right back. to get in touch with the Neutral Zone on Twitter. Number one, at AMI-audio. Number two, at Neutral Zone BR. Number three, at Neutral Zone CB. Number four, at Neutral Zone Cam J. And number five, at Jay Watson 200. Now get out there and tweet one for the giver. <laughs> Welcome back to the Neutral Zone here on AMI-audio. I'm your host, Brock Richardson, alongside Cam Jenkins. And I just want to uh, take care of some housekeeping as we had a uh, mistype on our headlines. The women won the gold medal at the Commonwealth Games. The final score, as Cameron said, was 14-5 to against Australia as well. So congratulations, to the women and the men for both bringing home some hardware. And we're going to have a guest from Canada's Common Commonwealth team uh, joining us next week. So stay tuned for that uh, next week. Right now, we are joined by someone that I am very familiar with. And that is Cesar Nicolai, who has been involved in Bocce for 11 years and recently has become the head coach of the national team. He joins us now from Montreal, Quebec to talk about the team and his career and how it's gone from where it started to where it is today. Cesar, welcome to the program. Happy to have you along. Hello, hello, Brock. I'm uh, I'm happy to be there. Let's start with 
telling us how you became involved in Bacha? Um, it, it starts like um, when I was in, the, in France, in south of France, I, I was at sports university where I got a master where you, um, I work on how to adapt sport for people with a physical disability, mental disability, like a health problem. And at some point, I have a teacher who uh, told us about the sport. He did in a rehabilitation center, like it was Boccia. And when I arrived in Montreal in 2009, uh, I was looking to find a club on internet to uh, continue practicing wheelchair basketball. And I came across an advert for uh, Boccia coach training given by uh, Mario Delisle. And I say, oh, uh, wait a minute, uh, I know this sport. It's it just like rang a bell in my mind. And I told myself, well, let's take this training and see uh, what Boccia is exactly. And it's where I met Mario and it's how it's everything's starting. Now, you've been on the national team, as uh, we mentioned, for 11 years, and it's been as an assistant coach. Um, can you maybe talk about the process of going from an assistant coach to being the head coach? Yeah, sure. Um, it was a long process. You know, I, I started coaching Bocha in 2009, and um, especially uh, with the BC4 athletes on the national team, um, in 2012, like the, the Paralympics in London with Josh and Marco was my first experience. And I coached Marco for 12 years, Alison, uh, nine years and Julian, uh, about eight years now. So it's, uh, during all of these years, I, I mastered my knowledge of Boccia and of BC4 category. I took a lot of, uh, of it took lots of lots of work and dedication with uh, each of them to create like the, the 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 strong athletes they are today. And working with these three athletes for so many years was a huge learning experience. They helped me to to grow and be a better coach. And so year after years, uh, we went through many challenges together, and they forced me to find solution to find like a way to help them to be better at it, like to always question myself. Like this was really hard sometime, but, but great. And in 2019, uh, we reached a big point. We got the, the, a gold medal in the Pasteur BC4 in Kovoa, uh on the World Cup. And we qualified for Tokyo as well, like Tokyo 2021 for the Paralympics. And at this moment, like, was a turning point uh, for me in my career as a coach. And um, I know I did what I need to do to help them. And now they can continue to grow by themselves. And I don't have to be like with them, with them all the time anymore. So something click in, their, in my mind. And I know I can take um, a little bit of distance and look for a new challenge. So after um, Tokyo, 2021, like maybe man, before that, like uh, at the end of 2019, beginning of 2020, when the, the pandemic hit us, um, I suggest like some modification on the world structure of Wuchi Canada. And we think about that with Mario together. And um, and we, we went to, uh, to a position where they, they gave me the chance to uh, 
to be head coach, it was like uh, natural, and uh, they they proposed me to uh, to to this post, and I accepted. So uh, yeah, that is uh, definitely a long journey for sure, and I, of course, was part of your journey for a little while, anyways. Um, I know because I've been inside the sport for a long time. I know how close you and Mario are, and he was the head coach for a long time. Can you talk a little bit about what the transition was uh, between him being the head coach to you being the head coach, and how that played an impact, if at all, in your relationship uh, moving forward? Sure, that's an interesting question. You know the transition is is going really well. Um, like Borussia, you know now, uh, you know Brock, uh, is, is a sport is is growing uh, year after year, and managing a high performance program is a lot of work. And uh, at the moment, all the sports like Olympic and Paralympics has uh, most of them a full time employee who is high performance director and. Uh, Mario handled uh, the two positions, like the high performance director and the, the head coach in the last Paralympic center. So um, it was a lot of, of, of work for him. And um, so it's, it's more easy for him to just be the, um, the high performance director now, now. And on my side, I have more responsibilities. And uh, I love that. That is just give me more motivation. And my relationship with Mario is even better for both of us, because it's a win-win situation. Like I have more responsibilities and uh, and Mario on his side have more time to manage the program. So uh, transition is still going on. Like it's, it's not easy to switch like that. You know, uh, it's a work in progress. And uh, But I think at, at that point, it's, it's going well. Awesome. I am glad to hear that. We're joined by Cesar Nicolai, who is the head coach of Bocce Canada. And of course, you're listening to The Neutral Zone here on AMI-audio. I'm your host, Brock Richardson, and I'm alongside Cam Jenkins. So, Cesar, now that you're the head coach, uh, what are some of your goals uh, to lead this team? One of my, my goals is like to, to understand... like. Um, we are a high performance program. Like sometimes, like Boccia is uh, is taking like it's a, it's a it's a sport. Like we play this sport for fun and things. But like when you are on the national team, you should be able to play under pressure. You should like to handle the pressure. You should understand the fact that being on the national team is not easy, and staying on the national team year after year has a lot of engagement, effort, and motivation. And on my side, I'm there to help my artists and give them the tools to be able to play at their best. And we are we, on on our program. The athletes uh, should handle the pressure and be ready to perform. Like uh, under the, the the pressure is not easy. And there is why my my coach and our scientific team are there to help them to handle it. And I want to work on the on the culture of the high performance uh, in Bocia, like. Like, don't be wrong, eh? we, we have some fun as well, but uh, like, like perform and have fun is something like we should have together. It's not like just playing for fun. It's not, not what I expect from the athletes, you know, like being on the national team, playing as an, an athlete from the high performance program is, 
is kind of a job, you know, and you should be able to do that. And you should understand like the fact if, if you don't are able to play under pressure like that and perform, they have also athletes who is waiting at the door. So, um, that's one thing. And the other things is like, I want to create a good, good chemistry inside the team Canada and inside each pair and team group as I did with the BC4. So uh, I want people to support each other and be there for each other. And I, I want Canada be a, a strong team together. So that's, that's what I'm looking for. Awesome. I, I love that answer. Uh, your team is coming off of a World Cup. Can you highlight some of the good things that took place and some of the areas where you see uh, needing for improvement? Yeah, sure. We start with the improvement. Uh, more easy. Like we, we are not present with the pair BC3. Um, it's clearly like uh, where we need to walk and uh, and come back stronger in the future on the on the pair BC3. But other than that, for the team BC1 and BC2, we are lucky to be in Povoa at uh, the World Cup. It was not on the plan at the beginning of the year, but because Russia can't attempt, like you know what uh, the war and things like that. We went the next. We were on the next on the list. List. So um, we went there and we proved we are not there by chance. Uh, we have put a plan in place uh, since Sao Paulo 2021, uh, the the regional championship, where with our team and it's paid off. Like we are on a good progress curve. We put a lot of effort on building a chemistry with these athletes and and it's working. Uh, we got our best result in team since like many years. Like be five, fifth at the World Cup is really, really good. So it's really encouraging for the future and for the World Championship at the end of this year. And uh, we also have a good result in individual with those athletes. So uh, that's good. In in BC4 uh, category, we got two medals, like in individual and in pairs. Um, it's becoming it's becoming harder and harder to get medal in both year. Yes, we have more medal opportunity with male and female category split now, but they have also more countries and more really good artists present at each event. The level of play continue to grow year after year. So uh, we work really hard and um, our BC4 stay, stay among the best in this class. Marco, Anisan and Julian did a really good job in Povoa. So um, overall, it was a really good event for Team Canada. I'm, I'm really happy and glad to be the, the head coach of this group. So uh, it's really good. Now, uh, you, met, you mentioned earlier in the interview that uh, you want people that are able to, um, you know, uh, be able to deal with high-pressure situations. How do you as a coach prepare athletes for those high-pressure situations? Um, personally, I like to have like a, a personal discussion with them. Like uh, I do this work this year uh, more on, on the athletes I, I don't work with before. Like I say, I was with the BC4, so I took time like with uh, with Lance uh, Kreiderman and with uh, Christine uh, Collins as well, like who, who play in team, and with Danny Kalar to to speak and to uh, understand what what is going on in in their mind when they are on court. So we have a mental prep who can work with them, like uh, the specialist on the mind. But on my side, I can make the link between like the tools I get from the mental prep 
and the, the Bochia side. So I, I sit down with them and, and like, you know, with the pandemic now we have access to Zoom and things. So uh, it's better for the athletes who are not in Montreal. I can uh, take time with them and speak and analyze what, what is, is going on in the mind. And, 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 and I help them to, uh, to try to calm, calm the mind and, and be, be more like, be more calm on, on the court and be there like to, to do their best and not, not thinking of like pressure and things like that, but like just be more relaxed and just play, you know? So it's, it's kind of things like on one-on-one um, work I, I do more now with them. Yeah. They often said it was uh, 90% mental and 10% physical. And I, I, it probably is a little bit more than that, but it's a significant lean towards the mental preparation rather than the physical for sure. Cesar, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to do this interview. We greatly appreciate it. And uh, congratulations on the new role and best of luck at the event at the end of the year. Thank you very much. And thank you for inviting me. Anytime, anytime. Coming up next, we're going to uh, discuss the uh, trade deadline in the MLB, and I'm going to give some feedback on that wonderful interview we just had. Stay tuned for that and more on the second half of the Neutral Zone. We'll be back. a message for the neutral zone call now 1-866-509-4545 and don't forget to give us permission to use your message on the air let's get ready to leave a voicemail Welcome back to the Neutral Zone here on AMI-audio. I'm your host, Brock Richardson, alongside Cam Jenkins. I, When doing this show, there's things that happen throughout the course of the program that really spark your mind, and, and it, something took place in that last interview that really sparked my mind. As was noted, uh, Cesar took over from Mario DeLille, who we've had on the program as the previous head coach. And we also know in mainstream sports that John Schneider took over for Charlie Montoyo. And I think in most of those cases, when you look at the situations, there's two sort of common denominators with both of those situations. And that common denominator is that both of those individuals have been in the organization for a long time. And the initial reaction is, well, how is that person going to change philosophy? Because they've been in, in, in the system for a long time. And I think Cesar and John Snyder have a lot in common in the sense that they are part of the program, but they're bringing their own stamp to 
what that is. And for the first time in a long time, being involved in the program, one of the things that caught my ear, Cameron, I guess, if you will, is that he wants to focus on bocce being a high-performance sport. And that's something that was kind of, you know, toted around for years and years and years. But it wasn't something that was, like, concrete focus. Like, if you talked to coaches, that would have never come out the same way that Cesar uh, put it out now. And, of course, if you look at John Schneider only having uh, three losses with this team. Do do you believe, Cameron, that there can be, I'm going to say, a philosophical change in a coach when you go from bench boss, if you will, to the big cheese? Oh, absolutely. I think that each person is, uh, you know, individualized in their approach at the end of the day. And I think with the Jays manager, Schneider, I think he was down in AAA and he brought up Vladdy and Bichette and a couple of the other ones as well. So, uh, you know, I I think that you can go along with uh, what Atkins wants um, from the team. Um, from a team perspective, but still bring your own flair to it as well. Um, and I think at the end of the day, uh, with uh, the new ben- or the new Jays manager, that I just think he has more of a um, uh, a tough hand when it comes to the players. Um, where it seemed that um, you know my favorite person in the whole wide world for managing Montoyo. Uh, he just seemed to be uh, more their friend rather than um, managing uh, the game. He kind of managed the people, which you also need, but you need to be able to do both. And you need to have be able to have a backbone at the end of the day. And I just don't know if Montoyo had that. And I think maybe Schneider does. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it really takes on a, um, you know, different role when you kind of switch over into from one chair to another. And you don't want to step on toes of a head coach, a manager. I mean, look at Nick Nurse. He was Dwayne Casey's assistant coach for years and years and years, slides over and wins an NBA championship. Now, a lot of people will look at that and say, yeah, well, if you had that team, you (laughs) can drive that same bus, which I agree and I will acknowledge. But... It still is the same. So for me, having been inside the walls of Bocce Canada for a long time, I've of course separated myself recently. But it it just it was sort of refreshing, and it kind of tied everything back because I think when you're an assistant coach, you can automatically get sort of a, a target on your back or what people assume is going to happen, and you know what assuming does, Cameron. It it doesn't it doesn't end well. So I, I you no. know. Both coaches have have reason to believe in success, and I personally loved that interview we just had, and I wish both coaches uh, the best of luck, and it was fun to talk to somebody that I have been around for years and years, and also hear about the progression of Cesar as well. Uh, let's chat a little bit about the um, Toronto Blue Jays, and um, I guess the biggest trade that we saw was uh, Whit Merrifield. And a lot of people 
didn't really know what to make of this trade. He was kind of a middle of the road guy. And it's funny because when you look at where he was um, with the Royals, it wasn't really a, a great team to be a part of. And, you know, the whole vaccination status, why are you getting vaccinated for the Toronto Blue Jays? Why didn't you get vaccinated for us? All those things. That's all well and good. He did play in the outfield last night as uh, Springer was uh, was uh, uh, just playing DH. And I thought that a name like that sort of lengthened out the lineup. I'm not really expecting a lot from a person like him. I just want him to to give us something, to give us a little bit of relief here and there and be able to step in for Springer because we all know that the that the um, elbow is not an easy thing that's going away. So the more relief you can provide Springer, the better, I believe, long term. Uh, the uh, Blue Jays are giving up uh, Samad Taylor and Max Castillo in that deal. And then the Blue Jays also acquired pitcher Zach Pop, who is... Uh, from Brampton area and Anthony Bass. And yes, that is the same Anthony Bass that was here once upon a time. And uh, both of those guys are from uh, the Marlins. And we gave up Jordan Groshans in that deal. Cameron, um, what do you like, dislike about the trades that were made or not made? Uh, well, I'm going to have to go with the um, deal of the day for the Jays, actually, is acquiring the pitcher Zach Pop and Anthony Bass um, because they really needed the bullpen help. And those two, uh, the Brampton boy and Anthony Bass, are really going to help in the bullpen. And that's going to be able to kind of get a couple of innings eaten up before it goes to the closer Romano. So I really like that trade, and I think that's the big deal of the day for the Jays. Um, I do like getting um, the uh, person from Kansas City. I think that uh, it's a really good trade to get him because he can play so many different positions. Um, so I think uh, Whit Merrifield is kind of, uh, you know, uh, back up in case uh, Springer ends up uh, going on the DL for any length of time because of his elbow. But the Blue Jays keep saying that, no, he's going to be okay and, uh, hopefully that's okay because he was DHing last night. Um, but he can play some second base too. And we haven't had a lot of luck this year uh, at second base. Uh, so I think he's going to be, you know, potentially there um, when and if the Jays make the playoffs. And yeah, I just think he's a good utility player to be able to uh, play a lot of different positions. And I th really think you're going to notice a difference in the playoffs because uh, I think that's where you're going to see him shine. So um, those are a couple of trades that I uh, really enjoyed. Um, I also enjoyed the one uh, with Los Angeles as well, because uh, I think, um, uh, not Springer, sorry, but uh, uh, Ross Stripling, I think he just went on the injured list. So Yeah, so the picture that's coming over from uh, Los Angeles, I think that's going to make a – you know, for a good trade as well, because I think he's going to be a back of the um, 
you know, four or five pitcher, and uh, hopefully he's going to do really well there. He did play well with Los Angeles. I think yeah, out of 15 games this year, uh, 10 were as a starter, and he had a ERA of about 3.75, I believe. So I think he's going to help solidify the starting pitching. And then once the, uh, you know, pitching does come back, um, you know, he'll either still be the fourth or fifth starter um, or he'll end up being in the bullpen and probably go long in the bullpen. So I think that's between Stripling and uh, the new guy from Los Angeles. So uh, I, I like that move too. So, that, you know, that we didn't get the big fish that a lot of people were wanting, but I think to sustain um, this window of winning and to be able to play for uh, many years and have a chance of being in the playoffs, you can't, um, you know, sell off your prospects every year. So I think this was a good happy medium of still being able to look at the long term and get into the playoffs, um, you know, for a long time and still hanging on to some of our biggest prospects. When you get into the playoffs, you are into the dance. You are in to the chance to play for a World Series. Do I think that the Toronto Blue Jays are better than the New York Yankees, the Houston Astros? Absolutely not. Do I think that if we got Juan Soto, that means that we're automatically better? Absolutely not. Rome was not built in a day. I am quite happy with the trades that were made. I wouldn't say that that it was a, you know, blow it out the park. But there are people that I am not parting ways with. Gabriel Moreno is the top of my list. Catching is a position that is grueling, that is hard on the body. And if you've got the three catchers in Alejandro Kirk and uh, Danny Jensen and everybody else, you know, that that's kind of the way that you want to, to work on this. I, to me, I would not get rid of Gabriel Moreno in that mix at all. I would leave it as a three uh team catcher sure you can't always have everybody on the roster but to have that backup to be solidified is important as well so for me i'm not really comfortable giving it a grade i think that that's you know i don't I know think they that did that... what needed to be done and you know it was kind of on the edges and i think they did very well um you know for what they did the best prospect that they gave away uh, was jordan groshans and he was number four um, as far as prospects on the Blue Jays, but uh, he went to AAA and he hasn't been doing well there. He did great in uh, single A and double A, but he certainly hasn't been doing well in AAA. No, for sure. And I mean, you look at Juan Soto. Um, they had to give up, you know, five prospects, and that's fine. That's well and good. I'm I'm okay with that if that's what you want to do, Washington. But for me. I'm not comfortable with where we're building um, and where we're going. And all of these guys that we just spoke about have at least a year and a half term. Most of them are, are longer than that, but the, the minimum is the year and a half term, uh, which I believe is, is Zach pop that has the year and a half term. And then everybody else has a few more years on top of that. And that's, Ross Adkins' way is that I want term. I don't want rental. And I think if you're building this the right way, rental is not necessarily the way to go. Um, I, I do want to bring up um, 
another story that's come out uh, recently, and that's Aaron Judge. Before the season, Aaron Judge turned down a $213.5 million, which is a lot of money over seven seasons. Uh, in fact, it's $30.5 million. Um, do you think that this is pretty clear that Aaron Judge doesn't want to play for the New York Yankees and really wants to test free agency as it looks like he's going to do because the Yankees said, look, this is our best offer. When is a best offer really a best offer though, Brock? I think it's going to go down to, uh, you know, the end of the year, they'll talk uh, before he does become a free agent. It'll be a last minute thing. And uh, the Yankees will cough up some money. Um, where else is he going to be able to play for a, a team like that unless he goes to the Dodgers? But all of the other teams that he could potentially go to um, are question marks. So, you know, I, I think it's just a matter of negotiating. I think he wants a little bit more money. Um, there's a lot of players that seems to be in the, you know, 250 to $300 million range uh, for the contracts, total contract value. So, yeah, I think it's just a negotiation ploy, and I think he'll stay with the Yankees. I think that Aaron Judge is one of those um, generational players, which we've heard about Vladi and Bo, and I believe they are. And those players, if you have the means, and the Yankees do have the means to spend money, if it is important for you to keep them, you basically, in my mind, have a check in front. And you slide it over and you basically tell the person, write your own check. Because no matter what you're going to do, and of course that's not going to happen. I don't want people tweeting me saying, well, that's, that's not realistic. No, it's not. But I think you have to give them value. And I think Aaron Judge realizes, even though for the average Joe and the average Cameron and Brock, we're looking at this going, well, I would play for 213 213- Point five million dollars over seven seasons, not a problem. But I'd play for a million dollars. <laughs> I I'd pay for the taxes on it. That's not a problem for me, <laughs> you know. But uh, whatever. I I just think that players know their value, and Aaron Judge is one of those generational players. And I believe again, the Toronto Blue Jays have a generational player. Shohei Otani is a generational player. Can can play. Both sides of the baseball can pitch, can hit. That's why he didn't go anywhere in the trade deadline. Why? Because the price would be way too high because he's a two-tool player and not just a one-tool player and can play both sides of the field. So that's a little bit about the uh, MLB trade deadline. It was fun. There was a lot of people wondering what the uh, Jays would do. They were calling Ross Atkins line one to do something, and I think it was done and we'll just see how it plays out in the postseason as we move towards that as well. Coming up after the break, Cameron and I went to the uh, Canadian Football League game with the Toronto Argonauts and Ottawa Red Blacks. We're going to discuss that and what's going on in the CFL. We'll be back. Stay with us.
sometimes I like to tease the audience out there in the world of radio, and I'm going to tell you that we have a announcement coming next Friday, which is the 12th, and Andy Frank, manager of AMI Audio, will be joining us at 4:27 p.m. Eastern Time. And trust me when I tell you, you want to be here for that announcement. The big guy himself is going to be here next week. Hopefully, we don't get told on the air that we're being fired. That would be really awkward. Uh, that would be. But he, yes. Usually, usually, when Andy joins us, he comes with uh, good news that I can tell the audience out there. No worries, I'm just teasing. I know what Andy's announcement is. We will be here for the long haul, for sure. I, Let's, I hope uh, that uh, you're going to let me know at some point in time between now and then what the big announcement is. Nope. You just have to come at uh, 427 on the 12th and ride along with the audience. Unbelievable. I'm part of the show. I've been a long-standing, uh, outstanding uh, co-host of the show for five years, and I can't even know. Unbelievable, Brock. Unbelievable. Long-time listener, first-time caller, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. <laughs> you just got to tune in like the rest of us. All right, um, 27 next Friday, I'll be there. Yes. And who knows? It may not actually be 427, because... As I'm already two minutes into this segment and I haven't even opened the topic, who knows if it'll be 427, but it'll be ish for 27. Um, let's talk about the Canadian Football League. And I-, I was looking forward to going to the football game, and I professed on this program that the Argonauts would have a guaranteed win. And they did not. They lost to the Red Blacks on Sunday afternoon by about 7.30 or so. It was done and over. And we rolled away and Cameron said, told you so, it's your fault. Um, What is the biggest difference, aside from the records, what do you believe separates the West from the East when you have a team that's 500 leading the East and yeah. In the West, they have uh, more established quarterbacks and in the CFL, that's what you need. You need more established quarterbacks and um, you take a look at all the quarterbacks that they have out West. And I think that's a big part of it right there. Um, They have potent office offenses. Um, So that's a, you know, another huge part of it. And, you know, it all goes back to the quarterbacks, I think, and they just don't have those established quarterbacks uh, here in the East. And, you know, I always joke about how well, only in the CFL that a team can be, you know, have a losing record and still make the playoffs. And that very well could happen in the East. And I don't think any team should be able to make the playoffs if they don't have a winning record. So, uh, you know, and the defense uh, in some of the teams out West as well, um, they're phenomenal as well, and that's the best way to beat a offensive team is to have a great defense. And you know, I think Edmonton's one of those teams that has that as well. And uh, in Winnipeg, man, uh, they're the 
entire deal. What are they? Eight and zero or nine and zero now? I think eight and zero. Nine so, now. Nine. Nine and zero now. So uh, I think Winnipeg has both offense and defense and um, special team. Like they just have everything, and they're just running over uh, almost everybody uh, in the league. Um, and they even beat BC, who I think is a phenomenal team. Uh, that uh, I think we're going to talk a little bit later in the show about the quarterback with the uh, um, the BC Lions. Yeah, it's you. Uh, you hit the nail on the head for sure. I. First of all, I don't trust McLeod Bethel Thompson with the football. He doesn't trust himself with the football. He runs oh, the ball, runs the ball, runs it to death. You cannot do that in the CFL. You only have three downs. You only have, you know, two plays before you have to either go for it or punt the ball away. That is just that simple. When you look at the West, when you have a team that is 9-0, and 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 like you said, they have everything. Their quarterback is amazing. Um, he leads the league in a lot of, lot of the stuff. Now, Nathan Rourke leads it in more overall. Like, the guy's got over 1,000 uh, passing yards. He's got, he leads the league in touchdowns. He's just the whole package. The problem with Nathan Rourke is that he's young. He's young. And the reason I say he's young is because he throws the ball into double coverage. Now, when you throw the ball into double coverage, you know, it seems risky. He's sort of, in my mind, 50-50 on the completion rate in double coverage. Now, I wouldn't be as good as 50-50 for certain in double coverage, but he almost feels to me, Cameron, that he can do no wrong. And I think that's a product of age. I think he's going to learn that. I don't think he's going to be in the CFL long term. I think someone from the NFL is going to come take him away. But right now, yeah. it's really fun to watch. It certainly is fun to watch. And uh, I think it was a BC... Um, it was a BC. He got 437 yards in one game and that broke a 40 year record. And I think it was a BC uh, record. Like the guy's just phenomenal. So hopefully he stays in the CFL, but a lot of people are looking at the, uh, or a lot of people in the FL are looking at him. So enjoy it while you can. Yeah, for sure. And the problem also in the East is that the crowds, the interest, in the East. I mean, you've got a whole section at BMO Field that isn't even used. And we were sitting in our seats thinking, oh, maybe they've got, you know, 12, 13,000, maybe 15,000, which they never said the attendance. But you need more uh, buy in from your, your league and your payers of the tickets because it is a gate driven revenue and the CFL just isn't that way especially out east now some would say hamilton cameron has a better atmosphere but i think that's a product of driving a little further away uh, from toronto do you agree yeah absolutely and they don't have the jays or the um leafs or you know that they have less uh, sporting dollars to spend so they spend it on the hamilton tiger cats and it's sold out it's a great experience from what i hear it is absolutely absolutely a great experience that is the end of our show for this week. I'd like to thank Cam Jenkins. I'd also like to thank our technical producer, Matt Agnew. 
Our technical supervisor is Paula Deneen, and our manager of AMI Audio is Andy Frank. Tune in next week because you just never know what happens when you enter the neutral zone. Again, big announcement close to 4.30 next week. We look forward to you joining us and have a safe week. Be well. <laughs>